Hello, this is Fred Callaghan, and you are listening to the Fulham Focus podcast. to the Fulham Focus podcast. My name's Matt Boisclair and I'm here to preview the match with Bristol City at the Cottage on Saturday afternoon with my good friends Baldo and Stato. But before we do that, I caught up with the Fulham Focus king of innuendo, Matt Dom, about a Fulham legend in the making. Fulham. Yes, I'm here with Matt Dom to talk about a man who is having a rather magnificent season for Fulham so far. His 15 goals have propelled the Whites up into third position as we head into Saturday's match with Bristol City, a side against whom Alexander Mitrovic scored his first ever goal for Fulham, getting on for nearly two years ago. Initially joining us on loan in January 2018, he has gone on to have a fairly prolific record in front of goal. Matt, what do you remember about the transfer deadline day when he signed for us on loan from Newcastle? It was announced quite late, wasn't it? Yeah, um, as far as I can remember, we were all set up to have another disappointing transfer window. Um, I can't remember. I think we signed we signed a few late on that window, if I remember rightly. I'm not sure when Target came in, but um, but yeah, it looked like we were going to go without a striker again. And then I think someone in the in the focus group chat said uh, there was a there was a link with Mitrovic and it's one of those ones you think yeah whatever it's just kind of uh, you know deadline day nonsense but um, you know all of a sudden he's on the website and and there he is uh, yeah so you know one of the one of the most exciting signings I can remember in recent in recent years that's for sure yeah I, I remember the link um, coming I don't know maybe it was early evening and I just remember sitting in front of the TV refreshing Twitter, just, just waiting for, for some sort of announcement. And it got to the deadline. Um, I can't remember whether it was 11 o'clock or midnight for that particular one. And nothing was announced. I was quite tired. So I ended up just thinking, oh, I'm just going to have to, I'm just going to have to wait until the morning. And I remember waking up in the middle of the night and I just quickly checked the Fulham website when I woke up and his, his, his face was on the website. Oh, that is brilliant. <laughs> At championship level, that's, that's such a good signing. It felt like it was going to be a good signing, but you know we've we've made signings in the past um, which have failed to live up to expectations. You know, Metroglou, um, I know Marley back in the day as well. So, um, but but this one this one really did uh, this one really did hit home, and and it, it almost almost immediately it started to take effect. So you were quite excited when he signed them. Yeah, I think so. I mean, there was that because um, obviously he'd he'd had he'd been at Newcastle, I think, for a, probably a couple of years at that point. Um, and there was a lot of talk about you know, he's a red card waiting to happen, and he's got a bad attitude, and he's not going to make it. But I think you could tell there was something there, and there's a reason they signed him in the first place. And he came with a, a pretty good reputation when they first got him. Um, and yeah, I mean, you compare him to the players we had up front. And yeah, you couldn't really fail to to not be happy about that. I don't think anyway. Yeah, definitely, definitely. It's it's funny. We, we had started our unbeaten run, you know, a month or so earlier, but he really cemented 
the, the way we were playing and we, we, we just started to look at a really good side. And of course, he, he was beginning to take the chances as well. And I think he made his debut against Nottingham Forest. Um, he came off the bench against Forest. We won that game, but he, he looked all right in that game. But I, I don't think I ever foresaw that he was going to go on to have the scoring record that he did, certainly not that season. But his goals ended up being absolutely imperative to, to the unbeaten run. Um, and he was also that linchpin that, that lifted the performance and the style of the whole team as well. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I remember thinking to begin with, because he hadn't, he hadn't played a lot and, you know, he, he was struggling a little bit in Newcastle. Um, and thinking, oh, he's probably going to take you know, quite a few games here, maybe a month to sort of get up to speed, maybe more than that. Um, because, of the, you know, the way he plays, he's, he's got, he's a big, strong player and, um, you know, he's big physique and it might take him a, a little while, a bit of time to, you know, shave a few pounds off, which it, it, we thought he needed. Um but he, he, I think he made a couple of sub appearances, and then as soon as he started starting games, he was just head and shoulders above the rest. And I, I thought, um, you know, he'd, he'd end up starting more games than the other strikers we had that season. But I didn't, I didn't see the the instant impact that, that he, he did have, and he hasn't stopped scoring since, really. So, no, yeah, amazing. I don't know what his longest run without a goal is. It can't be more than five or six games, even in the Premier League. I wouldn't have thought. Maybe it was that. Um, I don't know. The there was playoff no, run, really. Did. Towards the end of the season, we went up. He didn't score for a while, did he? But he did yeah. have a couple of. Well, he, he had a couple of months, I think. Um, oh, okay. In between, okay. uh, there was there was Brighton at home. He scored against in January, yeah, 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 and then yeah. I don't think he scored again until Bournemouth away, which was April. So it was all nice. Oh, okay. It was quite a while, was it? Oh, February, right. March, yeah, a couple of two, two, three months. Um, but that was during a period when we were absolutely yeah. appalling anyway. So. And then um, he one, was one still one of the only one of the only players, sort of, that you could tell he was really giving it his all as well. Even that, even that time he wasn't yeah. scoring. So yeah, yeah, definitely. But one one thing about him is that although he's quite a physical player, he does score a variety of goals as well. He's not just your, your typical number nine who um, who just gets his head on the end of crosses. Um, yeah. You think about the goals that he scores. He, he he was in the right place at the right time for his first ever goal for Fulham against Bristol City when Cyrus Christie played a fantastic little bending ball to the back post and he tapped that in. Um, but then the Wolves goal um, a few days later, he beat those two players and, and stuck the ball in the bottom corner. He just kind of dropped his shoulder, sent sent them the wrong way and then then buried it from quite quite a, uh, a long way out. And then um, Derby again uh, away, but, but his next goal, he was that was another opportunist strike as well. So he, he, was quite, he was quite good at carving out opportunities for himself, but he'd also be in the right place at the right time. Yeah, absolutely. I mean that. Um, I think that Wolves goal you just mentioned is probably still my the favorite, my favorite of the ones he scored. Um, mm. Just the way it was a sort of goal that just players that we had before that just wouldn't have been able to do. You know that strength and to hold off two defenders. And you know Wolves didn't concede a lot of goals, and they were easily top of the league at that point. Mm. Um, and that night, the, that the cottage, we really showed them what we could do and he was a big part of that and I think the first goal we scored as well that day was a um tapping from Cessna from one of his shots right. so yeah yeah he's, he's we were we were playing decent football before he came in but we were missing that spark that that final piece of the jigsaw and, and that's what he is yeah. um yeah it's just incredible to watch and as you say I think um I really enjoyed the goal he scored uh against Brighton last season as well um at home 
he just sort of, I mean, both the games against Brighton, he he, he bullied Duncan Duffy, and they're you know they're they're two absolute mountains mm. at the back, and um, he had them single handedly, uh, and and one of the goals he scored, I think he beat both of them and the keeper to the ball to head it in. It's just that shows what he's all about, just sheer determination, and um, and yeah, just 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 to see a player given that much for the team, it's just you, you can't help but love him. Yeah, definitely. Of course, that that Brighton away game as well. He he ended up costing us three points with that yeah. needless handball. Uh-huh. Uh, what do you remember of that? Yeah, I mean that before that. I mean that was that was on the way to being a fantastic away day, um, and it just sort of it all went wrong. But yeah, it's it's a hard one because he he scored he scored our second, didn't he? So yeah, and it really affected his confidence. And I think that was the start of where it all went wrong for us. So. Um, yeah, it, it was a it was a horrible uh, few months after that, and then obviously we've gone down. But uh, yeah, it's it's hard to blame him because uh, he was absolutely devastated, and um, yeah, yeah, it's just a complete fluke. He just missed uh, misjudged where the ball was, uh, and yeah, he's he's made up for it easily. I think so. Yeah, Definitely. no hard feelings to him. It was just one of those things. I was when I was preparing for this earlier, I I tried to think of negatives. Because may, most of the things we're going to say about Mitro are going to be positives. The only yeah. negatives I could think of were that that handball and then the the Oldham penalty miss as well in the FA Cup, which I don't think anybody really cares too much yeah. about. I, I couldn't no. think of anything else. No. Um... Maybe being suspended for the QPR game, but that was just an accumulation of, of a few yellow cards. But that's going to happen for somebody who's, who's playing a lot of games at this level and is quite physical. Yeah, he's he's basically wrestling every game, isn't he? So yeah, he's going to pick up quite a lot of yellows. But yeah, no, he's been even throughout the whole uh, Kamara taking the ball off him mm-hmm. instant. He um, yeah, he could have gone into a meltdown after that. But he's he's really shown that he's matured in the years that, that he's been at the club, and yeah. yeah, long may it continue. I mean, yeah, that that Huddersfield incident as well. He was clearly quite pissed off because he wanted the penalty, but he ended yeah. up just holding his hands up and going and, you know, tapping Kamara on the back and saying, go and stick it away. And of course he yeah. didn't. But um, like you say, he did show good maturity and you wouldn't have expected that from somebody who was meant to be a hothead. Yeah, and I'm, I'm wondering now that if, that, if that happened this season, I don't think anyone's taken it away from him. Oh, I think God, he's, no. learned, he's learned from that and he's going to take them all, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. <laughs> let's, let's go back though. Let's go back to the end of the promotion season. So we've been promoted at Wembley and he was only on loan so he's gone back to Newcastle and we had an anxious wait that summer to see if Fulham and Newcastle could agree a fee for his permanent transfer what do you remember of that debacle oh I mean it really felt like it was dragging on uh, when we went up you think first signing through the door is going to be Mitro hmm. um, just the things he was saying as after he went up and there's there no indication at all that he wanted to be anywhere else um, I don't know exactly what what took the time. I guess it was to do with Mike Ashley, and uh, maybe they were looking to bring someone in to replace him. Um, but as as it sort of dragged on, you kind of think, oh, and the club. There was rumours that we were starting to look at other targets and that kind of thing, and you think, oh, I don't know, maybe it's not going to happen. But 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 then you know it does, and uh, it, it felt like he's found his home, and I think it still feels like it's his home. Um, and everything he said, I think that's 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 what's great about him. Uh, obviously, he's, he's scoring loads of goals, and as a as a fan base, we all 
you know, no one, I've not found anyone who's ever said a bad word about Mitro, but every opportunity he gets, he, he, you know, he gives the love back to the fans and he, he's really, you know, he respects the club. He, he loves, um, you know, credit to him. He loves the, the chairman and Tony Khan for, you know, giving him the chance to play here and making him the main man. And I was worried when we went down that, um, obviously it was to do a slav that he came in in the first place and slav left got fired and then we got relegated and you think oh maybe this is it but it's obviously you know he's he feels the club is bigger than one than one manager and it is fantastic yeah yeah he's he's a top man and a top professional um the thing i particularly remember about that that whole summer or you know, when, when it all came together was there was lots of lots of reporting in the press about Metro and Fulham and how Fulham and Newcastle couldn't agree a fee. And then Newcastle, I think they had a training camp in Portugal and he ended up flying out to Portugal. And then as soon as they landed, Fulham and Newcastle agreed a fee and he had to fly back on his own and he left that training camp. Um, and of course, once he was once the fee was agreed, then that there was only going to be one destination for him. And he, and he said, you know, once he'd signed, there was only ever one place for me. This this was always going to be my home. I didn't want to go anywhere else. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that was, um, that's part of the kind of the games that Newcastle were playing. I imagine they probably got a couple of extra million out of that move. Mm. Um, but, you know, Mitro being the professional he is, he, he went along with the club's wishes and went over on, on their training camp and, mm you know, the sort of player who, who kicks up a fuss and refuses to train. I'm not sure that's the sort of player you want at your club. So, um, yeah, as you say, as, as soon as the fee was agreed, he was here. I remember seeing him turn up for training at Newcastle as well. The sky cameras were there and he oh, turned yeah. up in his car. And, oh, God, I feel sick. I don't, I don't want him there. Just get him back here, for God's sake. Thankfully, it all worked out in the end. Um, so he, he was a Premier League player again, back with Fulham and our, our Premier League season, our brief stay in the Premier League was appalling. But he was one of the good things, wasn't he? One of the very few good things about that season. Yeah, I mean, there were a couple of players, uh, really only a couple of players who can come out with a lot of credit that season. Um, I think um, Callum Chambers is probably the, the immediate one that I think of and he's not even, uh, you know, he wasn't even a Fulham player. Yeah. Um, but I think eleven goals in any team, let alone a struggling team, is is yeah. not easy to do. There's not a lot of players who get double figures in the Premier League, um, and he he's shown his value. And uh, you know he could he could easily make the step up. I think to uh, a top half uh, European challenging team, um, but you know he's he's stuck with us for now, and and uh, yeah, all the better for it. Yeah, definitely. Then it looked like he was going to leave at the end of that season. And we had the long wait through the summer. Tom Kearney signed the new contract. Then all of a sudden, I remember there being just um, the club posting just a, um, a fire emoji. Yeah, that was it, yeah. With, with nothing else. Like, what's what's going on here? And then a few minutes later, Mitrovic has committed. How did you feel then? Yeah, if I was them, I'd have probably left it about six hours. Yeah. That would have, that would have driven everyone absolutely yeah, crazy. Yeah, yeah. But, but as soon as they did that, you knew you knew what it was. And yeah, there were... There, there was a lot of talk that it was going to happen as well. Um, I think Danny actually uh, said it quite early in the summer that he'd heard mm. both TC and Mitro were going to sign a new deal yeah, to, right. to get rid of their um, sort of promotion, uh, sort of relegation wage cut. Um, and I'm sure that's part of the reason, but um, 
even even with offering it you know a new deal on the same terms for a lot of players the Premier League is too much of a um a draw and a lot of players would you know like last time we went down a lot of players jump ship and yeah you know, fair, fair play a few of them were decent enough for the Premier League and Mitro certainly is so um yeah. yeah a really really good sign of his commitment to us um I wonder if it is just for one year um I couldn't, you know, no, I don't think any, any of us could blame him if we don't go up and he did leave. Hmm. Um, I can't imagine he would stay if there were more offers, uh, but who knows? I, don't I think, think he, had, he had offers in the summer, didn't he? But he yeah. even said there was, there was there were offers from the Premier League. I think Everton were linked and um, West Ham also were yeah. linked, but he, he decided to stay put. But yeah, if, if, we, if we don't go up this season... One would think that um, people are going to come knocking on his door again. I mean, Aston Villa are being heavily linked for a move in January, as it is. But yeah. why he'd want to go there, I, I, I don't know. I think. Yeah, I, d- I don't think he would go to uh, that no. that level of club. To be honest, I think. No, I don't. With with the new deal, we would it would be up to Fulham if we want to sell him. Um, and if we didn't want to sell him, I can't see that he would kick up a fuss because he doesn't seem to be that kind of player. But. But, you know, who knows? I mean, it depends what club comes in for him, I suppose. Well, he's got 15 goals already this season. Um, so it's obviously, uh, it's obvious that clubs' heads are going to be turned. Um, he's been absolutely outstanding this season. For me, easily the best player in the league and, and his record speaks for itself. Yeah, I mean, you just look at, you know, you just look at the last game against Swansea. Um, if if he was a Swansea player, they'd have been 3-0 up and we'd have been out of the game and it would have been over. But um, he had two chances scored them both and and you know the rest is history and he's, he's missed a fair few chances as well this season so it could even be more than 15 um so yeah i mean the premier league player in the championship always stands out and that's exactly what we've got it's what every club wants isn't it you know you you can get by with a, an average defense an average midfield but if you've got somebody who more often than not takes their chances um, and creates chances for other people as well. Then that's they're like gold dust. Players yeah. like Mitro are like gold dust. Yeah, exactly. And, then, and even when when a team's not at their best and you're not creating that many chances and you're conceding chances at the other end, you you know you've always got a goal or two in you with a player like that. So mm. so yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure he's here for the rest of the season. And um, yeah, I think so. Who knows how many he can get? He, he could at least easily double his tally. I'd say. Well, get, put a number on it. Fifteen this so far this season. I think uh, oh, I don't even know how many games we've had. We're, 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 not, we're not even halfway, halfway, then, are we? yeah. not even halfway through the season yet. So if he keeps this record up, then he may break the uh, the record of thirty at this level. Do you, is do you that what the record on? is? I believe so. It's on for sure. It's on for sure. Um, it, it, he he's as well. He's I, I don't want to you know risk anything by saying it, but he's. He hasn't been injured a lot since we've had him, and he's he's mm. made of hard stuff. And you can't imagine he'd miss that many games. Um, That's the thing; he never misses a game, apart from no. the QPR game when he was suspended. I think he's been involved in every single game since he's been here. Yeah, I think it's it was one last game. season as well. He didn't play yeah. as far as I remember, maybe one and a half or something like that. Okay. Um. So yeah, if he's presuming he plays every game, that's for what forty six. Yeah. yeah, he's he's well on for thirty. Uh, yeah. I'd be surprised at this point if he didn't get close to that. Yeah, I think 30 plus. I think it's definitely on. Yeah. As long as, as, long as we keep playing the way we are at the moment. And I think they exactly. even said on Sky the other night, a, a side like Fulham with momentum is really dangerous. And that's yeah. what we've got at the moment. 
Mm-hmm. Um, four wins in a row at the time of recording, going into the Bristol City game at home. You know, you yeah. certainly back him to score again on Saturday. Exactly. Momentum with um, a lot more to come as well, I think. Yeah, yeah. All right, so you, you said earlier on that the um, the goal against Wolves at home when we beat them 2-0 in 2018 was your favourite goal. Are there any others that stand out to you? Yeah, I can't remember who it was against, but it was one of his first goals. It might have been it might have been Sheffield United. Hmm. Um, there was a goal where I think it might have been Matt Target's um, kind of lobbed a deep crossover and... Yeah. It landed around the corner of the six-yard box and he sort of swept it in with the outside of his foot. Um, and as soon as he scored that, you think, I don't think there's another player in this league who could have finished it yeah. like that. And that yeah. was early days. Um, and he's just proven it ever since that that if he take, he gets a chance, he's one of the best finishers there is out there. And yeah. his ability to hit the roof of the net from anywhere in the box is just astonishing. Mm. He just arrows yeah. it straight under the crossbar where keepers have got no chance. That's right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that, that exactly guy, it, uh, it might have been against Sheffield United. I can't remember exactly. It was. It, it was. was. Yeah. yeah. He took. He just took it so early, didn't he? You, you, yeah. Everyone was expecting him to take a touch, but exactly. he just buried it. And the, even the keeper just didn't move. It's just in the bottom corner before the yeah. keeper had a chance to set himself. Yeah, exactly. That was the, that was the key. And you sort of think mm. the, the way it was coming over. You think even though he's right-footed, he's going to have to take it with his with his left. But yeah. The confidence he's got that he's gonna he's gonna hit the target from, yeah. you know, ridiculous technique. So yeah, yeah, that 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 one stands out to me as well. Yeah, I agree that one in the Wolves game. But there was also um, the the goal against Leeds that season as well, where um, we were one nil up and Bettinelli made an outstanding save. Yeah. We just broke yeah. away and he ended up burying it from the middle of the box. It wasn't the best goal to score, but just on the counter attack at that stage in the game against Leeds. Um, they're on top. They're know. really they're really pressing if they equalise. Exactly. Yeah, it really burst their bubble. So it was, it was a cracking goal. But that, that again, was that place. That was shortly after, if I remember rightly, shortly after uh, Steph Joe's uh, classic um, takeout. Was that a 1-0 as well? It was, it was It was the same game. Um, but I think the I think we were two nil up when that happened, and it was right near the end of the game where the their blow was breaking away, and he just <laughs> he just flying tackle. Well, anyway, you can't even call it a tackle; it was full on nah. assault, wasn't it? Straight for the legs, yeah, lovely stuff. <laughs> yeah, quality, absolutely brilliant, brilliant tackle. But the sort of thing that if it happened against your team at that stage in the game, you'd be absolutely spitting feathers. You'd be livid. oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah, lovely stuff. No, he, he's a boy, any old Steph Joe. <laughs> what about um, moments aside from his goals? Are there any memorable moments you can think of aside from him sticking the ball in the net? Uh, well, I, I think um, one that was was brilliant looking back after the day uh, um, after Wembley, uh, after winning at Wembley, and he, uh, the uh, Mitros and Fire chant was happening at yeah. the the White Wall was singing it, and you don't you realise until afterwards he's at the time he's doing an interview with Colin Murray. Yeah. And uh, he cuts it short to go leg over to the fans. I'll be back. I'll be the back. Celebration is absolutely yeah. amazing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just from that, that moment, you think this this is um, this is where he belongs, uh, and yeah. you could tell he, he he felt that as well. Amazing. Yeah. Completely agree. Yeah. The only other thing I can think of, aside from the goals that he scored, was when he uh, when he tried to take off. Was it David De Gea last season? Uh, yeah. 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 Yeah, got right up in his face. And yeah, I don't know what De Gea was thinking, trying to take him on. <laughs> no, there's only one winner. winner. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's only ever going to be one winner. Just you back out of that argument straight away, wouldn't you? <laughs> it's only right, the um, defenders around him, wasn't it, I think? That's right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, safety in numbers. 
how much of a legend do you think Mitro can become at this club? He's he's settled in the area. Um, I think there's a, a a good Eastern European community in um, in and around the area in West London. He's very settled. He's enjoying his football. He loves the club. Um, there's obviously a worry that he could leave if we fail to get up, though. Um, but mm-hmm. if we do go up, I, I can't see him wanting to leave. Oh no! If we go up, he's staying for sure. I I, mm-hmm. I would be amazed if we went up and he 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 signed for someone else. Um, just and the other thing is, even if we don't go up, there's our spending power would still be higher than quite a lot of teams in the Premier League. I think so. Yeah. The the teams who might want to take a chance on him um, possibly couldn't afford him. Um, but in terms of being a legend, I think I think he's already there. Just the fact that he didn't leave um, yeah. after we went down, um, yeah. as, we, as we've discussed, he had a lot of offers. Um, could have really picked anyone from 6th to 20th in the league I would say yeah. he's he's, yeah. he's that good um and he stayed and he's given he's giving everything to get us back up um so for that he's he's already one of my favorite players and if he stays you know even even just a couple more years he could go go down as one of the very best I think I think so and if anyone could break Gordon Davis record of being Fulham's highest goal scorer of all time it could be this man if this love affair continues Mm. looked it up earlier and Ivor scored 178 goals in 450 games, but that was uh, across two spells, which spanned nine years. Mitro oh. hasn't even been here two years yet and he's got 48. All right, there's still 130 goals to go, but, you know, who's to say he wouldn't stay? It doesn't yeah. happen often these days, but I, I think if it's going to happen, it, it could be here. Yeah, and he's done it in about, what, an eighth of the appearances as well? Yeah. It's like the, his, exactly. his record is, what, one every two games, which is just... Mm astonishing for a team of of our level really yeah um yeah I, I'd, I'd love nothing more than for, for him to beat that record um but it will depend on us going up and staying there I think yeah of course it's going to be harder for him to to score so frequently in the top flight but he did he still scored 11 last season mm-hmm. he scored he scored 12 when he was here on loan in the championship as well and he's got 15 already this season so yeah he's very consistent yeah, I'm not sure what his record for Newcastle in the Premier League was. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. Very about good, that. but he scored a few for sure. But he was um, he was popular there, though. They liked him there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you see why. I mean, he's hmm. a proper heart on the sleeve kind of player. Yeah. Never shies from a battle, and he he you know he'll he'll give everything while he's uh, while he's at the club. Um, exactly, and all, all the elements are there for him to be a fan favourite. Not only yeah. does he score, but he, it's the way he conducts himself on the pitch and. Um, the, the way that you know he's he's got a good relationship with the fans, all that sort of stuff, just pushes towards him being you know so popular. And I think he, yeah, he could be one of the one of the most popular players in modern times. I think yeah, and that's 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 what's important for a, a club like us. So, you know, some of our some of the the players you think of that who are really highly regarded by our fans, you know, like the Brian McBrides of the world, that kind of thing. And not it wasn't good for his. Um, his goal scoring record because you know there's a lot of players who've scored more than that but it's the kind of the way they're an ambassador for the club and I think that's 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 definitely important to me and it's important to a lot of Fulham fans I know as well um it's more about performances on the pitch it's more than about the performances on the pitch yeah potential Fulham captain for the future as well he's vice captain these days when Kearney's not around and he always does a decent job yeah yeah I mean I've I don't necessarily like strikers as captains but mm. he's got he's got all the ingredients he's yeah. he's always shouting at the at his teammates you know like we, we discussed in the previous pod he was yeah. he was really getting a knockout the other day wasn't he for uh yeah. for being selfish and 
I wouldn't argue with him if I was a player, that's for sure. Definitely not. No, you'd do as you told, wouldn't you? Good stuff. All right. Well, let's um, let's get to the final bit then. Uh, we've both got to rate Mitrovic's Fulham career out of 10 so far. What would you give him? <laughs> it's, it's really tough. If, if he'd single-handedly kept us in the league last yeah. year, it's a 10. But um, it, it, it's, it's, it's a nine because he's he's been almost perfect for me. I mm. think just we couldn't have asked for much more apart from being superhuman and keeping us up last year when when it really wasn't going to happen. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, a really strong nine. Yeah, that's fair enough. I, I'm struggling to see where to dock a point. To be honest, yeah, and yeah, even exactly. at interna- even at international level, he's got 34 goals in 55 games. Is it's about to become there. Um, Serbia's top scorer of all time as well. I'm going to have to give him a 10. Absolutely love the bloke. Um, he's the, the one of the most exciting players that I've, I've ever seen in a Fulham shirt. Aside from Louis Saha, probably my, my favourite centre forward to play for Fulham that I've seen in my lifetime. Um, and I, I can't I can't dock him a point. I absolutely love the bloke. Um, he's been associated with one of my favourite seasons with the club in, when, we, when we went up and he was, you know, prolific that season even though he was only there for half a season he was the one shining light when we when we were um you know in our in one of our darkest hours in the relegation season and then this season so far as well who knows what we're going to go on to achieve but he's been outstanding so I've got to give him a 10. Yeah no that's fair enough I, I docked a point for nothing really so yeah I mean <laughs> Dr. Point because he couldn't hard. keep us up. <laughs> yeah because he's yeah because he isn't Superman um, yeah, exactly. but he's as close as you can get. I think so. I think so. Good stuff. All right, mate. Well, thank you for that. We're going to have a Bristol City preview now. Fulham. Right. Well, before we begin, I'd just like to offer on behalf of the Fulham Focus team and everybody at Fulham our sincere condolences to Bristol City player Benica Fobi, who lost his two-year-old daughter last week. Obviously, that's completely awful. Um, and our thoughts and prayers go out to you. Well, we're playing at home again on Saturday against Bristol City, lads. What memories do you have of playing against our friends from the West Country? I'll come to you first, Stato. Hi there. Um, I think it's, I don't have many memories. Um, when we look at our stats file in a bit, you can see that we haven't actually played that many games since, you know, over the last 10, 20 years or so. Um, the one thing that does stick out really is when we won 4-1 under Kit Simons. I think it was 4-1 anyway. It was, I think I remember it was off the back of quite a few games that we hadn't won in a while when I think the pressure was mounting on Simons a bit. And then we just kind of came out and we just did most them 4-1. Um, I'm just trying to, I'm just looking up who scored now. I think off the top of my head, McCormack probably scored because he always scored back then. But we had, oh no, we had two goals from Dembele, one from McCormack, and it was the Ryan Tunnicliffe goal I remember the most. Uh, it was kind of like, it was, yeah, the big massive lob chip thing, wasn't it? And yeah, other than that, um, there wasn't much, you know, I can't really remember about it. Well, I'm just looking over that starting 11 and wow, <laughs> we have come a long way. <laughs> we really have. We really have. Good stuff. Thanks, mate. What about you, Baldo? Any memories of playing Bristol City? Mine is of a less uh, a, le- a less exciting one. It was the um, cup defeat. The uh, Carabao could have been Carling, Worthington, I don't know, whatever whatever the League Cup is, uh, back in 2016-17 when we lost in the last minute uh, to, 
to them with, I think, I think it may have been Tammy Abraham who scored the winner for them that night. And my abiding memory of it was back in the day, this, this is going to be a bit of a nostalgia to most, to some people. If anyone ever remembered going on fan TV or ever watching fan TV, um, I actually had to go on the next night and chat about the game with Justin Lee Collins, who was a Bristol city fan. So that was a little bit, so that was incredibly awkward. For it. But yeah, I just remember it was an incredibly cold night. I think Corley Woodrow scored for us. And then it, everything just completely unraveled. Uh, yeah, lost lost in the last minute. And then I and then what is even better was a couple of days later, we then played them at the cottage and got absolutely spanked 4-0. So we got we conceded six goals against them in the space of what five days. It was an incredibly annoying time to be a Fulham fan that week. Yeah, we don't have an amazing record against Bristol City, do we? I was I was going to pick the uh, the nil two at home, uh, the season when we went up on Halloween, and the only reason I remember that is because living in Reading, Halloween isn't a particularly big thing in my neighbourhood. But I was walking to the ground from Hammersmith um, through all the through all the streets um, around by the cottage, and all the houses were done up in full Halloween regalia, and. All the kids were doing. Um, I was going to say knock and run, but of course it isn't called that, is it? It's called trick or treat. They were doing. They were doing trick or treat, and people that were answering the doors were all in fancy dress as well on a, on a Tuesday or Wednesday night. And I just thought it, it looked incredible, and I, I kind of wish that it was more like that round here, to be honest. But there you go. And of course, yeah, the the game itself was was less memorable. We we ended up losing two 0 and I think Bobby Reed scored at least one of the goals, if not both of them. You got one. So. <laughs> Yeah, just one of the goals. So yeah, not not a brilliant night to to be a Fulham fan. That, but yeah, we 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 don't have a great record. So fingers crossed that's going to change this weekend. So I'm going to come to you first, Stato. What what do you think the lineup's going to be? Do you think we'll keep a similar sort of team to the one that won at Swansea on Friday night, or do you see Harrison Reed being back, or Bobby Reed even to play against his um, old team? Expect the goalkeeper and defence to say the same. The front three, providing Kamara's fully fit, I would expect to see the same. The questions will be remaining around the midfield. Um, Tom Kearney will probably be a dead cert. Steph Joe, um, I mentioned it in the other pod, but he did go off limping towards the end. Now, I'm hoping that's nothing serious. Um, if it's not, he'll be starting. That's completely fine. And then that does kind of leave the third position. And that's kind of all dependent on who's injured and who isn't. Um, if we have a fully fit squad... I would quite like to see Harrison Reed be back in there. Um, Bristol are a quite a good attacking team. Um, I don't think it would be wise to have Bobby Reed in there as well. Um, but then it could be, what do I know? So, yeah, kind of either one of the Reeds would be preferable. If that's not an option, I don't want to see Onoma there because I just, he just I, I'm not a fan of him. I don't know what he offers. Um, so, you know, really, I think it'd be a great opportunity to see Matt O'Reilly start. Or maybe even Della Torre, because um, you know they can't do any worse than what Onuma did. Okay, mate. And what about you, Baldo? I think it'd be I think it'd be incredibly a brave move for him to play Matt O'Reilly or Luca Della Torre. If I'm being if I'm being brutally honest, but you know I'd, I'd absolutely welcome it. I'd, any any chance to play in the Fulham youngsters, I more or less agree with. Uh, I agree with, with what Status said. I think it's going to be more or less the same team, and I. Yeah, a lot of it's going to depend on um, assuming everyone comes through injury free. I think again, the likes of Kamara, you know, he struggled a little bit in the Swansea game, but the fact that he managed to get through it, now he'll be on a week's rest, as it were, or more than a week's rest. 
Um, I think he'll be able to keep hold of his position. But yeah, it should it should be more or less uh, the same team that uh, started the game against Swansea in my mind. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. Just depending on whether or not the reads are back or not. Talk, talking about them as if they're twins. I am going to go through some of your stats now, Stato. So, Fulham versus Bristol City. We have played them 61 times. We've won 25 and Bristol City have won 21. Fulham have won three of the last eight encounters against Bristol City. The last seven meetings have all been very recent since uh, since we've been since we were relegated from the Premier League the first time. The last meeting before that was in 1997 when Paul Moody scored in a 1-0 win. I believe that season Bristol City were runners-up and were promoted behind Watford. And that was the year when we got to the playoffs and lost to Grimsby. That was actually the last time we beat them at home. So 22 years is a bloody long time. It's about time we, uh, we overcame that. The last time we played them at home was the game I spoke about earlier on when we lost 2-0 on Halloween and Bobby Reid scored. And the last time we played Bristol City was the one-all draw in February in 2018, which was match 11 of our 23-game unbeaten run. Mitro's first goal for the club, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, former players who have played for both Fulham and Bristol City, Thomas Callas, I assume Thomas Callas is going to play at the Cottage on Saturday as well. We um, think so. Yep. Uh, so Joe Bryan, Bobby Reed, Corley Woodrow, Ryan Fredericks, Matt Smith, Nicky Shorey, Matt Briggs and Sean Davis. I didn't realise Sean Davis played there, but he played three yeah. games at the, end, uh, at the end of his career on loan. So learn something new every day. Bristol City's form at the moment, they currently sit in fifth position. They've played 19 games, of which they've won eight, drawn eight and lost three, scoring 31 goals in the process and conceding 27. They're currently three points behind us. They've only had two wins from the last five games and they've had five clean sheets all season, of which only two have been away. The average possession that Bristol City have is 48 0.5% 0.5% versus the 61.2% Fulham have. So we're obviously going to dominate possession as we more often than not do. And the last match Bristol City played was a 5-2 victory over Huddersfield Town. What I'm going to ask you guys to do now is pick a player to watch. Um, I'll come to you first, Stato, who we got to watch out for. Um I'm going to say the top scorer, uh, Andreas Weimann, who um, at this level, he's very well established. Um, he spent years at Derby. Um, I think he was at somewhere else beforehand as well. I can't quite remember. Villa. But Villa. Yeah, he was at Villa. Um, he was at Villa and then Derby. Um, and obviously, he's been he's in his second season here now at Bristol. So he knows the championship very well. And he's got off to an OK start. He's their top scorer, seven goals and three assists. Played all 19 of their games so far. Good stat here is that he averages 2.6 shots per game, which is quite good. But then you look at Micho's stats and Micho averages 3.8, which, you know, is a lot of a better record. He will probably play, you know, he'll probably be their main striker up top for them. And he'll definitely be one to watch. Nice one. Thanks, mate. And Baldo, anyone aside from Andreas Weiman to watch from your point of view? Yeah, personally, I stunned me that he's a Bristol City. He's sort of gone off the radar a bit. And that's Daniel Bentley, who I remember when he was at Brentford, 
Um, no, not even a Brentford. He was a South End. Was you know seen as the next great English goalkeeper. You know, assumed to be ascending right up leagues. And his career's obviously taken a little bit of a backward step if he's now now at Bristol City. No, no offense to them, but I assume by this point he'd, he'd be at least in the Premier League. But you know, Daniel Bennett, I think, is one of the best goalkeepers in this division. It has to be said. And going from Stato's list here, you know, three point one saves per game which is more than what Rodak averages. So I think he's going to be uh, incredibly incredibly tough to get past uh, on Saturday. That's fun. Well, let's hope we do get past him. Good stuff. All right, let's quickly touch upon Lee Johnson, the Bristol City manager who's been heavily linked to Fulham in the past. Stato, do you think we'd be better off with him as our manager or do you think the club ultimately made the right choice in hanging on to Scott Parker? That's that's actually a very good question. Um, Lee Johnson is quite highly regarded because um, of the work he's done at Bristol. You know, Bristol, they've never been a big team, but, you know, for the last two or three seasons now, they've been, you know, challenging for promotion. And a lot of that was down to the work that Lee Johnson's been carrying out. Um, obviously, you know, there was the talk that he's a Fulham fan, so he'd love to come to us. And you know it could have, it could have been could have been true, and he could have been doing a good job. But I think what's made him successful is that he's been at Bristol for a long time, and it was very much a long term project, which they let him have the time to do and let him have the time to kind of carry out his vision. Um, I wonder if uh, Tony Khan and you know, the rest of the Fulham hierarchy would have let him have the same amount of time, considering the type of tra- the types of transfers that they made this year, which are very much short term loans with the aim to get back to the Premier League instantaneously. That would have been a big ask for, you know, Lee Johnson to come in, you know, an outsider to come in, implement his style and get promotion in his first year. So I, I think in that aspect, I think Parker was the right choice out between the two. Because, um, you know, Parker's been here for a while. He was there last year. The players know him. So, you know, I think on that basis, Parker was probably the right choice. How about you, Baldo? Any regrets? Um... Somewhat because I think I've been I've been incredibly and I'll be very open with this. I've been incredibly skeptical with the appointment of Scott Parker. I, you know, I said that when he got to twenty five points, that should have been, you know, an invitation to be interviewed rather than equally getting the job. Last season, so I think, and I think I said in the summer, you know, when the likes of Chris Hewton left Brighton and Rafa Benitez left Newcastle, obviously him. Um, I say we should have really waited a little bit of time before appointing Scott Parker and the sort of name you know comes out along with along with Lee Johnson. Would he have made the jump? Obviously a lot's been made about his film connections, we don't know. But I think I would I would have preferred Johnson to take the job over Parker, if I'm being honest, purely because his purely because of his experience in the division. You know, you, you see he's got them incredibly high up the table now. Uh, he was getting them incredibly high up the table, I think uh, last year as well. So they always seem to tail off, though, don't they? They always seem to choke. They do, but mm. even so, but is that down to the players he has or is that down to him? I think if you got him, the manager, and then the players that we had, I, I think he would I think he would have done uh, reasonably well. But that being said, Parker has you know, exceeded somewhat expectations this season. So I'm not angry that Parker's got the job instead, but I just think there were other options, better options out there. And Johnson absolutely could have been one of them. Fair play. Okay. All right. Well, let's come on to a score prediction for Saturday. Then, Stato, what's going to happen at the cottage? Um, well, it's it's got to be five wins on the bounce, doesn't it? Um, 
Again, whether we'll keep a clean sheet, I, I'm not sure. I don't think we will. We don't tend to keep clean sheets at the moment, which is fine as long as you score more. I'm going to say 3-1 Fulham. Lovely. Like your style, Paul Day. Um, yeah, I I can't see us keeping a clean sheet um, as is because they, yeah, Bristol City, boosted by their performance um, over on the weekend when they, was it five? Uh, they put yeah, last five, three. Yeah, five, exactly. Yeah. Uh, you know, boosted by that, they are one of the highest scoring teams in the division. So I don't, I don't think we're going to be able to keep them out. It's then just a case of how many we can put past them. And if you look at their, you know, the amount of goals they concede, you know, twenty-seven, which is the highest amongst the teams, you know, in the top sort of nine, uh, ten in the table. So I think they're they're there to be exploited. So I, I, I could see a, I could see a three-one victory personally. Cool. All right. Well, I'm going to go three-one as well. I don't think we keep a clean sheet, but for goodness' sake, can we score our three goals before they get their one, please? Yeah, I can see that. I can see us, you know, being two, maybe three nil up, and we'll score a goal. But it'll be no big deal. That's, yeah. that's that's my hope. They, they can they can get a consolation in the ninety fifth minute yeah, or something. Sure, we don't care. Yeah, might as well not bother playing the game, might we? Just give it to us now. <laughs> that would be <laughs> good stuff. Well, it's a massive week coming up for Fulham anyway. Um, three games in seven days: Bristol City, Preston away midweek, and then Brentford away. Stato, how many points do you realistically mm. see us getting from these three games? I think I think five would be a good haul. I'd like to see us win at home to Bristol. Winning away midweek at Preston will be a big ask, I think. Um, so I would take a draw in those circumstances. And as much as I'd love to win away at Brentford, I just uh, I don't know they're in good quite good form at the moment, so I can see us getting a, a hard earned draw there as well. Five points out of those three games. It's that's not but, a bad haul. It's, it's an no, okay no, 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 it isn't. It isn't. It isn't. But we got two wins and a defeat. Six points, isn't it? Even though we've lost the game. True, true. Um, but, you know, I like to think that we won't lose the games and we'll still have that unbeaten yeah. record. Yeah. Okay. All right. No, fair enough. What about you, Baldo? Out of the nine points, how many do you see us collecting? Um, I can see seven, personally. I'm confident that we'll win Saturday. It's the other two that I'm just not. At. I, I, both those games could go either way. I'm confident we'll. I'm confident we won't lose, but the fact that they're away just gives me a little bit of cause for doubt. The, and the fact that it's Brentford's last, you know, West London derby against us at Griffin yeah. Park, and you know that That's those, good point. those yeah. bastards will be up for it. Um, it's from the from the fans' perspective, and if that passes on to the players, then. You never know. We could be in for a little bit. They, they won seven 0 at the weekend as well, didn't they? they, did, they, they against, yeah, they were against yeah. Luton. So again, well, we didn't. We that. didn't win seven 0 against yeah, Luton. Did we didn't win seven 0 um, But yeah, I'd, I'd I'd say seven points. I don't know where which of the two we're going to drop, but I can see us dropping uh, two points in one of them. I mean, I'm just looking at Preston. They've lost the last two games on the bounce now, and you know they were previously further no down to sixth. You know, I think if there is a team that we're more likely to beat between Preston and Brentford it would probably be Preston. So basically, we're going to lose at home to Bristol City and win the two away games then? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> that'll do, that'll do. All right, lads. Uh, well, let's see what happens on Saturday. A win will give us our fifth win in a row and a defeat ruins everyone's weekend, as it always does. Thanks you both for joining me and to you all for listening at home. See you all at the cottage on Saturday. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs>